0: bet on the i'll bet internet points oh good yeah very valuable
1: (laughs) just to try to get ourselves through it it felt like an interminable rain delay um
0: i have not tried to buy a playstation 5 so i'm assuming from the question it's impossible
2: i'm going to tell you a funny story about that And welcome to episode number 189 of the Artificial Turf Wars, Turf Wars, it's been a while, you could tell, where we do an episode for every move the Blue Jays made at the Winter Meeting. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the exceptionally well-read Joshua Houseum. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good.
0: I'm good. How about you?
2: Uh, I'm not nearly as exceptionally well-read as you, but uh, I tested negative <laughs> for COVID this week, so hey, it's going great. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Take that.
2: It was better in test than positive. Um so we have a show for you uh, a program a a podcast as it were, where there are no free Egypt moves, but it does not mean we're not gonna throw a whole bunch of names around at you for the next forty five minutes. Or so um, <laughs> we also have uh, have some news uh, with Hyunjin uh, Jin Ryu and friends. um we have uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr uh, standing over on the left hand side of the diamond if you're uh if you're facing the way the catcher does. Once again, perhaps in the future, perhaps it's it's a thing that's going to happen again. Uh the Jays uh, affiliations all changed around and in order to properly send off the one affiliate uh, that the Blue Jays are absolutely losing that is near and dear to our heart, we are going to have an interview with Jesse Goldberg Strassler for um I guess he's technically not even a Blue Jays broadcaster right now, but we're going to we're going to pretend he is for one more interview. Uh and then uh, we've got questions from you and we have a do over from instead of the Mets like usual, the Phillies front office. But I mean it's about a former Met, so I guess <laughs> almost <laughs> almost qualifies.
0: Well, it's like in, in the time of COVID, it was contagious, right? He brought it from the Mets yeah, to the gave,
2: Phillies. He gave he gave the Phillies m- metsitis. Um, Mets front
0: officeitis, yeah.
2: Yeah. So let us begin with the thing that didn't happen. Those were the winter meetings. Raise a glass to them. Did you even notice they were there?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. I mean, there were, what, two moves made? Like a couple of trades? No free agent signings, of at least of note. I mean, why did they have them is kind of the question, right? I mean, it's like, you know, Ross Atkins even said, the... the The meetings when you're in person provide a little bit of like a pressure, like to get something done because you're all there and there's, you know, you feel this external pressure, you know, of everyone around you. But how is the online version any different from exactly what they've been doing for the last month and a half? Like, why not just say we're going to do the rule five draft on this date and otherwise business as usual?
2: Well, it does feel odd to me because it's, it's not like you put everyone on the same Zoom call. And said, all right, you can break off in individual meeting rooms, but unless you're there, you have to be on camera at the Zoom call. You know, like you're in the hotel, right? That, that pressure of, you went through the trouble, and I put that in quotes, to get here. Why aren't you doing anything? Uh, especially since there's no media. I mean, it's not like, like how, how does a, a, a Shai Dabiti or, or a uh, Ken Rosenthal hang out in the lobby of a virtual winter meetings?
0: It would be funny. They're just like on the external of a Zoom chat and then they can get let in by the host. (laughs) (coughs) I like that version.
2: Yeah, that would be like – and then we should – and then you film um, Ken Rosenthal sitting in front of his computer trying to click in like he's knocking on the door or something like, come on, please. (laughs) Please please admit me to the meeting, please. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it does seem seem like a lot of nonsense. Um, and, And as a result, nothing happened. Yeah, But there was media availability, I suppose, as I make fun of the lack of media availability. Um, not for the Jays there, wasn't.
0: Not for the Toronto media. Oh. Uh, Joe, Joe Sheehan spoke once, but uh, uh, Scott Mitchell for TSN, he actually told me this. Because I'd said, like, has Akin spoken to the Toronto media since the window meeting started? And he said that they asked for availability every day of the meetings and were told that they got nothing. <laughs> he spoke when the meetings ended, but not once during the actual meetings. Yeah.
2: If If there were no meeting if if a meeting falls in the forest and no one is there to to take it, could yeah. it have just been an email um okay, so we did get some kind of uh postmortem though from Mark Shapiro, did we not? Yeah. so he
0: spoke today, and Russ Atkins did speak yesterday after the meetings ended, and Atkins you know continued to say that they have not been eliminated from any of their top targets yet, but what was interesting today when Mark Shapiro spoke he Took things a little bit further because you know Ma- Ross Atkins kept saying you know it was like we have options we can add multiple players or concentrated in like a one like one very good player and then it always made it sound like it was one guy right mm-hmm. but today this is the quote from Mark Shapiro quote we need to get better I'm 100 percent confident we will get better that can come in the form of fair, four very good players. It could come in the form of two elite players, but we're going to get better, and we're having a lot of exciting conversations happening right now. That's the first time we've heard them suggest that they're not just playing in the deep end of the pool; they're like going for a long swim. And they just—I don't know how to keep this metaphor going. But <laughs> and they're they're willing
2: they're, they're, to drown. I mean, no, that's not it. That's wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're trying to get multiple of these guys, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean there there are nine nine spots in the batting order right now, and I think the Blue Jays identified as much as they would like the catcher of the future to um, you know to show up. I think on the flip side, it's like if there's an everyday catcher out there, uh, and you think he's going to get you to the playoffs, or um, you know you would like uh, Kevin Biggio maybe in one world to be your everyday second baseman, but if if you end up pushing him somewhere else, or or moving him in return for a better piece. It sounds like these are the prices that they're willing to pay.
0: Yeah, so just for fun. So, okay, because of what Mark Sparrow just said, right? Two very good, two elite players or four very good players. Because of that, they are talking to everybody. Here is a list of players (laughs) that they have been linked to by the media. Now, that includes like people like John Morosi saying that they have talked about someone, but, you know... I'm I feel like looks, I'm going to have to, this is going to be so
2: long, I'm going to have to go to the break after you finish the list. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Only one catcher, JT Realmuto. Infielders, Lindor, Wong, LeMayhew, Justin Turner, Simmons, Edelton, Kim, the Korean import, about whom we'll speak a little bit more, Gene Segura and Didi Gregorius. In the outfield, George Springer, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kyle Schwarber, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Brantley, in the pitching Bauer, of course, James Paxton, Sagano, the Japanese import, Jay Happ, Mike Fires, Garrett Richards, Jake Odorizzi, Kevin Gaussman, and Taiwan Walker, and relievers, Liam Hendricks, and Brad Hand. All of them Jays have like interest in. And the thing is, it's probably true with the exception of like Mike Fires, because <laughs> I have no idea why they'd want Mike Fires.
2: That's an. I mean, it's an insane bit of good news, but at the same time, I think you kind of hold your breath and go, well, how focused are they on a particular target or or how much traction have they gotten with any particular guy if the field is that wide open?
0: Well, and this is where they gave a little bit of clarity there, too. Atkins said that they're focusing on their top guys first, and they've told the agents for these other players the, that that's the case, that the guys that they want, which we believe to be. George Springer, JT Realmuto, DJ LeMahieu, and Trevor Bauer—that quartet, or maybe not Bauer so much, because they've said they're focusing on position players at the moment. But they're focusing on them first, and then if they all go elsewhere, because you know Springer could easily go to the Mets, LeMahieu back to the Yankees, and Real Muto, Nationals, Phillies, because they just hired Dombrowski. I mean, there's you know, it's a very good chance they won't get any of them, but there's also a good chance they will get one. So they don't want to. Eliminate that uh, that probability or that possibility by signing someone else, right? (laughs) Like if you sign Justin Turner, for example, it makes it harder to place Francisco Lindor if they could trade trade for him. So go for the best, and then if you can't get the best, there's a lot of really good players still left over that they could get. And those players aren't going to sign before the top guys because it'd be dumb for them to do so.
2: And and year over year, or year after year, we see this trend, though the Blue Jays tend not to be in the middle of it, we see this trend where a couple of top tier free agents uh, cause the rest of the market to wait. It's it's hard, it's not a new phenomenon, and it, and it makes sense, because nobody wants to ch- find out that they got lowballed, um, because the high end, you know, top tier free agents sign for literally double what they did, and they can provide, you know, 85% of the production, Um So they're going to wait and they're going to see what the real top dollar is. So it it kind of, it all makes sense. I think the unfamiliar part for me as a Jays fan is, um, the blue Jays are really in on that top tier the year after they already signed one of the hottest, best free agent targets on the market. That's the weird part.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. (laughs) Um, it's weird. You get the, there's still this section of Jays fans out there that's like the Jays never make big moves. It's all just lip service, you know. Just to, and then they'll make excuses like, less than a year ago they signed the, the reigning ERA leader, <laughs> like
2: and, and not, Yeah, and not the um, the knuckleballer, forty year old guy. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: they gave the guy four years, eighty million dollars. Like it was a significant signing. So. I mean, it's like some people will just never be happy, but uh, I mean, this is awesome. And the interesting thing about it is to like the fact that they're after all these different positions, uh, you know, because last year it was like, they wanted to get a starting pitcher, like an ace. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they wanted to get like Travis Shaw, you know, fill in around the diamond, but like the top guy was a starter this year. It's like, well, we could get a shortstop, we could get a second baseman or a third baseman, we could get a center fielder, we could get a catcher or a pitcher. I mean, there's so many avenues to making this team better, which sounds horrible if you think about it. It's like, oh, they got holes at all these spots.
2: But but the but holes they... it, it's incrementally better. This is where you're at at this point, right? If you have a 500 team, you can't kind of hang on to everybody and hope they get better. You have to rotate a a piece that's giving you, you know, an 8 out of 10 performance. For a 10 out of 10 performance, you have to try that or you never get better.
0: Yeah. And, and, and like the only actual hole in the roster at the moment, well, there's, I mean, technically you could, there's a hole in the middle of the rotation and third base. They don't have a third baseman at the moment. Well, we'll get to that in a bit, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was one position to be vacated that was vacated by Travis Shaw, but like if they get JT Rao Muto then they can use all of these catchers they have on the 40-man roster to trade for the other spots. If they get George Springer, they could move Grichuk to a corner and use Lourdes Goriel to trade for another spot. If they get Lindor, they can move Biggio over or Bich- and Bichette over and fill spots that way. I mean, there's just so many ways to go that it's actually really intriguing because if you really only have one thing, say the Jays were in a spot where they needed an, a center fielder full stop. Which I mean, they do, but but like they need other things. They can use other things. Then it'd be like George Springer or Bust, right? Because Jackie Bradley Junior. is not that good, but because it's not that, it actually really makes it a lot easier to get someone at the top when you don't care which one it is necessarily.
2: I'm also thinking the, the other factor there is all of the young players that they have don't mm-hmm. have that veteran presence to say or to dictate to the team. Um, about how unhappy they might be getting moved off of their position, right? They don't, they don't have, and, and none of them have, um, especially a, a defensive reputation for being the best in the game at their spot. So this isn't uh, a Rod coming over and getting, you know, getting in a, a match with Derek Jeter about who should be playing short for the Yankees, right? The, every guy you mentioned there, what is he going to say if you go, hey, you're you're better in this other spot because we, we found someone who's elite at that defensive position?
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of the nice thing, too. Like, Boba has said for Francisco Lindor, he will happily move to another position. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, <laughs> right? And Kevin Biggio doesn't have a position to begin with. Right, so, right. Yeah, I, I mean, it is nice that they have this spot. I mean, you're not going to move Boba for anything but an elite shortstop, but they're not going to sign anyone who's not an elite shortstop or trade for, in the case of Lindor. Like, they're not going to go pull in – dd gregorius and then move bichette like that doesn't make any sense De gregorius would just play third same with gene segura i mean Andorton simmons is a little different but i don't think that they're really that interested in a defensive guy who doesn't hit much so but yeah like people move for stars like, that's how it works
2: well yeah and, and you've got a team full of, of people who are are not established stars um, they're good they have potential some of them have had better years than others in their you know early in their career but you don't have someone who can can be even afford to be a diva in the in, you know in the politics of the game so it does give the jays a whole lot of flexibility and uh, you know it, it also the jays again sound like one of the teams that has cash in pocket meanwhile the, the yankees are crying about having lost two billion dollars oh boo it's like does anyone care that you lost money last year really no i don't think anyone cares that you lost money you made money the last 30 years like
0: philly's lost two billion
2: dollars Phillies, (laughs) yeah sorry but it's but also who
0: i don't think fans care (laughs) yeah i mean that number was ridiculous and the fact that it was reported without commentary was one of the most egregious reporting fails i've ever seen (laughs) at least in the sporting world but uh but yeah no but they don't so anyway this is all exciting and you know and the flexibility that it creates i i mean i'm not going to put real money on this because that's it's always stupid to bet on the be agency but i will bet on the i'll bet internet points
2: oh good that that yeah to. very valuable
0: <laughs> that so the blue jays funny. will end up with at least one of those top four guys
2: and that will. five
0: including lindor top five including lindor
2: that will make the team better absolutely yeah. and the team is not bad at all all right Certainly feels different than twenty thirteen. Even after yeah. the wacky Johnson trade. Um I have not watched the oral history of that trade either, which I probably should have.
1: <laughs>
2: that came out this week, apparently. The the most the most upsetting trade that I think it was Joel Sheehan had ever ever covered. Joe, Joe Sheehan had ever covered. Too many Joe Sheehan. Uh okay. So let's get to the nitty gritty. Uh Kim, the Korean shortstop. I do not know Kim's, I assume it's his first. Haseong Kim, Kim Haseong, whichever. Yeah. I know they reverse it in Korea um, to what we're used to. Said he would like to play with Hyunjin Ryu.
0: Yeah. So the news came out a few days ago that, uh, that they had met. And it, it, it sounded like Ryu was dispatched to pitch Kim on playing in Toronto. It's not what happened. They were at a, a sporting conference in Korea. And Kim asked Ryu to sit down and just to discuss baseball with them and like the transition to the majors because he's been posted. But then he said this today. Quote: I mean, this is through a translator, but quote: Ryu gave me a lot of advice that gave me confidence. It would be an honor to play with him, and I think it would make my transition to the amp to the MLB. He gets a over for that a lot easier. <laughs> it's okay it's through a translator. So I was you know, say like, the
2: translator's on the hook for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: lost in translation, but. I mean, this is a guy who he can play second, he can play third, he can play short. He's a shortstop there. who had good numbers in Korea, which don't always translate, but his strikeout numbers were low, which makes it more likely that he'll be able to hand or be, handle better pitching. He's 25. And if they can't get Lindor, Kim makes, he, he makes a lot of sense
2: um i i'm glad that it wasn't all about uh him asking um ryu about what it's like to play in canada because ryu has no idea <laughs> yeah there, there were some I know, funny we'll be jokes like, honestly, i can't tell you man i played in buffalo new york all year i've the faintest clue what it's like to play in Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he knows what it's like to have summer camp in Canada. That's yeah, about I know, it. I know it's what the, it's
2: like to get the paperwork required to play in Canada, but it, it's, it's really not that relevant.
0: <laughs> he, he knows what it's like to go from, this, from the Rogers Center Hotel to the field.
2: <laughs> and we'll get into um, the fact that that might not even be relevant by the time someone gets here. But
0: um... <laughs> No, actually, there's going to be a new field too. But, uh, yeah, I mean – it's good, though. I mean, this this is an interesting thing. So the Jays talked about, you know, making inroads into Eastern baseball, right? They got Yamaguchi and Ryu last year, and they pulled Dolis out of Japan. And they mentioned specifically at the time that this year's class was good coming out of there. And... You know, like Kim is is one of them and Tomoyuki Sagano, the, the pitcher who won the Sawamura Award, which is their Cy Young Award, a couple times and had a 199 ERA last year. They're both been posted and being able to have these guys say, hey, like, this is a good place to play. Now, Yamaguchi might not say that. It's like they never used me and they only used <laughs> me in my pop roles.
2: <laughs> but set me up to fail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But Kim, who's an icon in Korean baseball, as your pitch man to the top posted player and you know considered one of the top ten free agents by some people, that's pretty good.
2: I think you said Kim was an icon. I think you meant Ryu was an icon. But
0: I did. Oh yes, I meant Ryu is the icon, <laughs> and, then, and, and, and then Kim is one of the top posted players. Yes.
2: There we go. Uh, all right. Lastly, uh, as far as details on the field, we have Vlad Jr. is going to be playing. Is he already playing winter ball or is that still coming? Yes, up? he is. He okay. had a home run
0: today too, a big one.
2: Those are the only kind he seems to hit because uh, yeah, all the true. other ones hit the top of the fence and ricochet back and he gets a single. Um, <laughs> so, But he's not a first in, in, in winter ball. He's, he's taken that slim down form and uh, attempted to, to recalibrate his arm to third base again.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting thing that has come up. Vlad, I mean, he's saying, like, I'm going to take third base back. It's not even, I'd like to be a third baseman again. He says, I'm going to take it back. And, you know, he lost all this weight. And this way it gives him reps before spring training, too. I and mean, winter ball doesn't last that long. But the more he can get, the better to get back at the swing of things. Because if he can handle it, even on a partial basis, Then you can get a guy like Kim or Justin Turner, and then Kim can play third some days. He can back up short when Bo needs a rest, and Vlad can play third or Biggio. I mean, it gives them so many options for how to orient the infield. And, you know, given that the modern baseball involves days off for your regulars, having guys that can capably play all the spots really is a big help.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I think. For the longevity of his career, you want to see Vlad both more fit and mm-hmm. playing third for as long as he possibly can.
0: Yeah, and like if he can even be an average third baseman, which he has the hands and he has the arm, he just didn't have the agility. And if you know you lose forty five pounds, it does tend to help your agility.
2: <laughs> it can't hurt, is what we're saying.
0: Yeah, but so like if he's even an average third baseman. Or even just slightly below average, not like the worst defensive player in baseball, which he was in his first year in the league. Um, then his bat is so much more valuable as a third baseman than he is as a first baseman. So I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's very interesting and something that it is worth monitoring because it does open up even more options for the team. Like say they trade for Lindor. Maybe Biggio goes to the outfield, or Biggio plays first, or they get Brantley or something. Like Again, it's just all this flexibility that they can create this offseason. Having Vlad be a potential third baseman just gives them even more.
2: Yeah, absolutely worth a shot. Um, the other uh, big news is the off-the-field news is um, the minor league plan uh, has materialized into a new set of relationships between the teams and their minor league affiliates whom they invite to become affiliated now that was kind of a a weird concept for me i don't want to get into the the weeds of it but the blue jays have lost bluefield and uh lansing michigan but they did get to keep the vancouver canadians um which i think was important from a uh, you know from a a call-up standpoint no one is getting called up from vancouver to toronto so the distance there doesn't matter but it keeps a canadian affiliate in the system which has been a struggle for the jays for a long time so that was kind of heartening to see that that you know Blue Jays players will um, potentially land in Canada and 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 that before they they end up moving on through the organization eventually to Toronto, but but <laughs> the Lansing Lugnuts have uh, have been moved on out of the list of teams that are affiliated with the Blue Jays, and that makes us sad for one very specific reason, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean we're going to talk to the to the man that makes us sad. But yeah, I mean, Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who is our guest today to talk about this is the voice of the lug nuts and is one of the most valuable assets to fandom of the minor leagues in the Blue Jays organization or has been, I should say, since he's moving on, you know, he's, he's engaging and he cares. And he just like, we've had him on the, on the show so many times, just, and he just helps you feel excited about these guys and really invested in the minors. and, you know it's sad that that's going away
2: yeah well the good news is he and his encyclopedic knowledge of the uh the minor league system are uh, are going to join us one more time before he uh moves for possibly greener pastures are they oakland Days affiliate did i make a really good joke there y- yes okay <laughs> for greener pastures <laughs> we're gonna have him come and join us right after this Welcome back to the show for, uh, it seems like, like the thousandth time because it's, it's such a uh, comfortable pair of slippers to slip into the incomparable Jesse Goldberg Strassler, uh, voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. Welcome back to
1: Artificial Turf Wars. It like we should have the actual number, right? Baseball's a sport <laughs> that takes its stats seriously. I think that would be hilarious if me as the broadcaster player came up to the plate and I was like, he's got a lot of homers. <laughs> It feels like
2: he's got like a thousand home runs. This guy's really good.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
2: Oh, absolutely. A pleasure. A pleasure. Now I say you are the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts. You are also in some cases, the arms and legs of the front office or the, the, uh, the ballpark of of Lansing. You are hardly a, a one trick pony down there.
1: That's incorrect. Uh, I do not want to take any credit away from the really, really good people that we've got. I'm, fortunate that they employ me, and I take pride in the work that I do, but man, do I have some really good coworkers!
2: Well, that must have been, I mean, mean, that's what we, I guess, should start talking about is how does a relationship go when the minor league season gets cancelled because of a global pandemic? Like, that must have been a really crazy uh, change in your whole pattern of of work and and behavior. It
1: felt... And there's so much here with what's gone on with the season getting canceled and then with the reorganization of minor league baseball that I think I should address in two different ways. Um, The first way that I need to constantly be cognizant of is that these are really serious matters. That minor league baseball season was canceled. And it was canceled because of a really good reason, because of a global pandemic that has killed so many people. So... When I look at baseball getting canceled, there's a part of me which is like, this is an insignificant thing compared to everyone who knows someone, who has lost someone, everyone who has lost someone super close to them, um, and everyone who's been affected by it. Um, And so I say that because just to try to get ourselves through it, it felt like an interminable rain delay. It felt like we had baseball scheduled. And we could not play baseball. And so day after day after day, we hoped that we would have a minor league season until at last we learned that we would not have a minor league season. It was so unusual to, from March through April through May to constantly be preparing for the possibility of baseball. All the while, we knew that it was going to be really difficult. It's These have been extraordinary circumstances. So there's been that part of me which professionally, whatever I can do to help out the team. And there has been that very large part of me, which ever since the start, it's been whatever I can do inside our household, me, my wife, and our baby, us just taking care of each other as best as we can, reaching out to family and friends to help take care of everyone. Just trying to do the very best to take care of ourselves, take, take care of each other as the days pass.
0: Well, that's very nice to hear. I mean, it's, it's always... Good to know that you, know, you have a nice people surrounding you to help you get through stuff like this, because it can be tough if you don't. I mean, I guess before we move into the other thing, which through the minor league reorganization, as you just mentioned, I mean, even you know, like, uh, I don't know what the situation is like in Michigan specifically, but like there, I don't know if there's anything that's like, are they expecting the minor league season next year or like to be surrounded by other people as opposed to just the family?
1: We are expecting a minor league season. We're very much hoping for a minor league season. Uh, we have no idea when it would start. We have no idea what the capacity of the ballpark would be allowed. When the minor league baseball season was called off this past year, the Lansing Lugnuts still held the season. We got together college baseball players from around the state of Michigan. They did show and goes. Everybody was tested to make sure that everybody was all right. There's a drive-through testing uh, right here in Lansing. And they showed up, played ball, and left. It was, it was really a fascinating kind of experiment in summer collegiate wood bat baseball. And I broadcasted the games from up high. Um, it, just, everyone tried to stay as separate from each other as possible. The fans were, we were limited to 100 inside the ballpark. And they were limited into very carefully spaced out tables seated out beyond the left field wall. But we did have some ball, and that was something. So I think that we're all hoping, we're we're looking forward to this coming year and saying, I don't know when the season would begin, but we're very much anticipating a minor league baseball season, and we could use it. It's very difficult for the business to lose a full minor league baseball season.
0: Oh, for sure. And I, I guess you know, that kind of transition where you went from broadcasting a Blue Jays affiliate to broadcasting college players... Did that help make the uncertainty, I'm sorry, the cat behind me is causing a lot of commotion, but (laughs) did that help make the uncertainty of what was to come easier or more difficult or nothing at all?
1: I think it made it weirder. I think it emphasized just how unusual this entire spring and summer and autumn and now winter has been with all of us just trying to figure things out just trying to come up with any kind of idea um yeah i it the entire thing has just felt surreal
2: i i think that's common across a lot of or just about everybody's life in terms of things not feeling real like feeling like there should be some sort of expiry date on the weirdness um and I think maybe we, we, we're we talking to people um, and when we interview people or when we talk to people in our personal lives, we keep hoping that someone is going to say, oh, it really hasn't, it hasn't, you know, bothered me much. We managed to, you know, just uh, make do and, and go on. And I hadn't really thought about it much, but that's not, that's never the case. It's always the opposite. It's always, um, you know, I, I understand that people who get sick are 100% worse off than, than those who have remained healthy through this whole period, but at the same time. Nobody's, you know, kind of escaped that, and then,
1: well, and also, I would argue, I don't want to escape it. I, I I don't know. It, It seems to me, and let's take the reorganization of minor league baseball just as a microcosm. I know that my team was given an invite, but that should not stop me from thinking about the teams who didn't receive an invite. Even if my life is unaffected by everything that's going on, I still want to somehow think about all the disruption
2: yeah for sure um i think there's just there's a there's a limit to what people are are able to absorb at one time um and i think that's where that sort of instinct comes from um now you did allude twice to the reshuffling so we should probably talk about the reshuffling um affiliates got some 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 leagues got removed some some affiliates got moved to other organizations um and invited to become minor league affiliates um That sort of compounds a bunch of the the weirdness, for sure, for you. So my understanding is Lansing has ended up as an affiliate of the Oakland Athletics. What what was that like for you, you, that whole process?
1: Well, maybe with a question mark. (laughs) Uh, Of course. (laughs) So the way that this was finally announced was all the major league teams extended invitations to be their affiliates and 120 teams received affiliations four teams for each of the 30 major league teams now these invitations come with the terms of the agreement which the minor league teams had not had a chance to see before this so imagine if i suddenly like plop a life-changing contract in front of you and as at the same time that i'm doing that i go by the way press release to all the media um So minor league teams right now are reading the contracts and they're checking out the terms. They're looking at the deal and everything that is being asked of them. And we'll see which teams agree with, we'll see which teams give pause.
0: Um, I actually read that. I mean, you can obviously confirm this or not that even now they have to agree not to sue or sue major league baseball before they can see the full agreement. Now they can just see the general concepts.
1: Right? So that you've got to sign what the NDA that you can't it's it's all a fascinating piece of working that you can replace fascinating with all sorts of other words
2: (laughs) (laughs) some of those words we can't put on this podcast Jesse
1: but we 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 know they're out there (laughs) I mean what has helped me I would say every step along my career that I love the baseball that I love going to the ballpark and seeing a pitcher throw a ball seeing a batter take it, swing, seeing the fielders do their thing, seeing the runners run around, seeing the game, that the game gets me going. And that's really good to be paid a salary to watch games and to describe games to people who are not there being able to watch. And so everything that goes on above me, it's so high above me. And this gets high. This has been in the works for a while. And the fact is it managed to coincide with a global pandemic um, for better or for a lot worse. But because I get to work the job that I work, I feel very relieved and grateful that I'm able to have the position that I've had to call games, to work in media relations, to work on the ground level with the players, with the coaches, with scouts, with fans. And I think that everybody on high, that they, by and large, that's what their true interest is, is it it's in the baseball, but there's so much going on up there. There's so many Mm -hmm. different priorities. Um, There's whatever reasons they might have for whatever they have. And I don't know, that's, that's all a complex way for me to say that I don't feel like I need to have that much of an opinion outwardly that I can have my inward opinions, but outwardly I just say, Let's play baseball and I'll be there when we're ready.
0: Well, okay. (laughs) Speaking of, you know, playing baseball and being there when they're ready. I'm just wondering, you, maybe you have an opinion on this. If you're at least happier that assuming everything gets accepted and these affiliations go on that the Midwest league is now in the class A advanced and you might get to see, uh, you know, more better prospects or at least more advanced prospects.
1: (laughs) It's funny. We'll get to see our prospects. A year older. <laughs> if, if we'd stay in a Blue Jays team. You know who's playing for us? It's probably Jordan Groshans. It's pl- probably Gabriel Moreno. It's probably Josh Winkowski and Sean Weimer and Otto Lopez and the guys we just had. It's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I was talking to somebody about the whole move to the high A level, and I thought they made a really good point, that a significant way that the game will get better is the umpiring, that it's really good to see an umpire at every single uh, level, another year's worth of experience, because umpires' learning curves are dramatic. So the umpires in high A are better than the umpires in low A. Yeah, But that said, um, I've worked at the AA level. I spent two years at the AA level for Tampa Bay. I think that just being in the minor leagues, you could Put yourself into any single team. By and large, you would have a certain percentage of guys who are major league impact guys. You would have a certain percentage of guys who are not. And then you've got everybody in between who, as the season goes on, they're moving themselves from one side of the room to the other.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds... I mean, this is one of the things that, uh, you know, we'll get to this now, that we're very much going to miss is how romantically you are able to talk about this game and really make it feel like something special. You know, it just the way you just described that, you know, like that's not how a lot of people would talk about a minor league affiliate. You know, they, they just typically talk about the prospects or the level of play, not that beauty of finding out what people are on the fringe or on the fringes in the middle, you know, like, so, I just wanted to throw, <laughs> just throw that in the middle here, break up our entire momentum of this conversation. But uh, no,
1: no, no. I think that's where I, the conversation I was going anyway. Question mark. Because let me tell you something. I think that going into next year, I think that all the prospect lists are going to be wrong because we don't know what this season without baseball did to the guys. We don't know the guys who are at the alternate sites or the guys in the instructs or the guys who are home there are going to be a lot of big prospects who get hurt or who underperform there are going to be a lot of guys off the radar or at the very end of the list whatever it is we're going to make major jumps so i'm fully anticipating a season in which we can take all of our prospect lists and just start to to shuffle them up like we're rattling dice in our hands
2: <laughs> so i i because you know you're you're almost Uh, magical view of of how this game works and how players develop and how things go i think i i would like to invite you at this point to in your history with the blue jays um whether it be recent or or in in the the distant past um tell us about a time perhaps when you were genuinely surprised by by how a player um approached things or how he was personally um versus how he was on the field or or um you know a player maybe where you you thought well i i think that guy is is probably not long for this and and he changed your opinion somehow uh any of those things just a you know something that is really going to stick with you from your time with the you know broadcasting i could try to
1: put together an answer for each one of those questions so to take the last one first <laughs> I did not think that Danny Jimenez was going to last with the Lugnuts beyond April. He was so bad in April as a 24-year-old right-handed middle reliever in the low-A level. And to see Jimenez have the breakthrough that he had with Lansing over the course of that season, working with Tony Koster as the pitching coach, continue it in 2019, get Rule 5 drafted by the Giants, uh, strike out Mookie Betts in his debut, no less, get returned to the Blue Jays. They get rolled out drafted again by the A's. <laughs> like, <laughs> to go from release to a guy who is clearly valued by scouts boggles my mind.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Indeed. And a recent one, too. Um, yeah, I I I think uh those folks who, who might be, you know, hopefully tuning into your broadcasts um for the first time with the new affiliate um i'm sure they will fall in love with your voice and your your way of describing the game as quickly as we have uh jesse so uh want to thank you for all of your insights um you know to the blue jays players that were right in front of you i we alluded that you certainly are welcome back on the podcast um anytime um but uh, i i think the uh, the depth which you you're able to to give us information on some of the youngest blue jays prospects was was really valuable over the years and we're definitely going to miss that part
1: well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, and it's a joy to let everybody know who cares. Hey, here's how the guys are doing down in the minor leagues. The minor leagues matters, and it's fun to get to know their names before they reach Toronto.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking oh, of knowing thanks. names, where
1: can the folks find you on Twitter again? <laughs> At J. Goldstrass. Have I told you the secret inside joke with myself but with that name? Uh, you perhaps, perhaps not. It. Fire away. Okay, but... so my name is Jesse Goldberg Strassler. And if you take the Goldstrass away from my last name, you're left with burglar, which like a third grade Jesse <laughs> thought was great. So it's at J Goldstrass, J-G-O-L-D-S-T-R-A-S-S.
2: Yeah, you probably you, you kept the right ones for your um your Twitter handle. You would have just confused people by calling <laughs> yourself J Burglar, I'm sure.
0: Oh, That was perfect. Perfect way to, to end this, you know, this chapter of the relationship. It's going to continue just in a different form. But I really like that.
1: Hey, I'll be found with the entire Blue Jays organization.
2: All right. Take care, and I, I hope you and your family are well.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, and the same to both of you. Thank you so much.
0: Sam!
2: And we are back. Um, fantastic to have Jesse join us as always and his, his dulcet tones uh, calm my nerves as we go through uh, the rest of the podcast <laughs> uh, but of course the rest of the podcast includes uh, the most important members of the podcast, you!
1: Time now to hear from our listeners That just seems silly Here are the rules First I ask a question, then you ask a question
2: now How does that sound, sweetheart?
1: Could you repeat the question, please?
2: And the question started rolling in early uh, because uh, presumably it's been so bloody long since we've had anything to talk about. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. We don't actually have anything to talk about this time either, but we're making a go of it, (laughs)
1: folks.
2: (laughs) Um, December 9th, Alex Johnston, Alex underscore Johnston 8 asked, what minor league level... And this, this is important because it did get juggled around. Would, would you put in Dunedin if you had a free choice? Would a certain level benefit the organization more to work out of a state-of-the-art facility like that one? Because Dunedin was, of course, upgraded this, this most recent offseason.
0: You mean the facility? Yes. Yeah. So what happened was when the Jays kept Vancouver, so the Northwest League— which was formerly short season, a ball is now a advanced or high a, as people know it. And Dunedin, which was high a is now low a or class a ball as Jesse would remind us. <laughs> so
1: that's actually perfect. I think because this
0: allows them, cause they don't have any, there's no longer a blue field, Team Right. So it lets the players work at the facility until they're ready for full season ball. And then they're staying in the same spot for the beginning of their transition into actual full season pro baseball. So I think that's, that's exactly the way you want it they're, because they're still be, get the same training out of the facility. It lets them have that comfort level and then they can continue to move up the system.
2: So the, the progression is now, um, is there a short season at all anymore?
0: Um, I actually don't know if that if that that exists anymore. I think the Gulf Coast League might be gone, but uh yeah. so they just play instructs, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that.
2: So it goes Dunedin to uh Vancouver to New Hampshire to Buffalo to Toronto. Yep. Takes some getting used to, but I'm sure the people in Vancouver will appreciate uh when it when baseball finally returns in, in whatever form, uh to the minor leagues, I'm sure the people in Vancouver will appreciate more games in their home hometown.
0: Yeah, and they're all, this way that they, they'll also get all of the prospects, which you know, as anybody who has followed the Canadians will tell you, they missed out on Vlad, they missed out on Bobichet. Uh, you know, well, technically they went down there for a playoff run, I think, but you know, because the Jays typically they they send their college draftees there right at the year they sign. So like, me nee Pearson went there, Logan Warmuth, Alex Manoa, Alec Alec Manoa, um, but. The guys that come up through the system, they usually skip Vancouver. They go straight from Bluefield to Lansing, or they did. Now, so there is no short season ball anymore. And like like the Northwest League, the equivalent is gone now. Um, so they'll go to Dunedin for a ball, and then they'll go to Vancouver for high aid There's no prospects who skip that level. Like that, that doesn't happen.
2: No, you just can't afford to. That development is. Yeah.
0: OK, is... that happens in 2020 when there is no minor leagues and well, yeah. Kirk goes straight from Lansing to the majors. But in general, that does not yeah. happen.
2: Oh, the new reality. Uh, OK, David Hahn at Davey DangerPants. Pants. Uh, he says, time for some unfettered speculation. Well, I have good news for you, David. That's our business um it's 2024 looking back at who the jays signed in free agency in 2020 excluding players acquired through trade where did they get more value as measured in wins because that's the only way we measure anything david uh over the past four years (laughs) pitching or position players you want to go first i think it's going to be position players because i i I don't i would think they're going to get a top of the line uh position player in a la George Springer might not be him. And then at least one other free agent position player who they're not going to sign for one or two years. They're going to try and keep someone for a longer term. So I just don't see a Trevor Bauer. Ha ha. um, Even if they get him having as much impact as the position players would. And again, they've said they're focusing on position players. I think you mentioned it earlier.
0: Yeah, exactly. For that reason, like they're trying to get a top position player or two. So (laughs) like. Yeah, unless they somehow change course dramatically and get Bauer, I don't see any case for pitchers.
2: And shout out to David for wearing a mask in his profile pic on Twitter. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Quinn, at Quinn Sweetser, Quinn, longtime listener, asks, if when the Jays acquire a shortstop and Bo moves to second base, I don't really see a fit for Cavan with his so-so arm strength and reactions. He also turns 26 in April, so a significant improvement is unlikely. Thus, I think the Jays look at trading while his value is high. Thought.
0: So I tend to agree with the general concept that Kevin Biggio's ceiling is limited. He will always take walks, but I think eventually people will start trying to exploit his inability to hit high velocity. That said, the team loves him. Like like every time they talk about him, they rave about Kevin Biggio. I don't think there's any chance he's getting traded. I don't want him as the everyday third baseman. I think that he's not going to be very good there. And then when they're talking about improving run prevention, I don't think that does it. I think he probably would be fine as a corner outfielder, though, especially left field. I don't think he has necessarily the arm for right. But, you know, like a left fielder, he's got decent instincts. I think he could learn that.
2: I feel like um, Cabin Bishu is exactly the kind of players that Tampa Bay Rays would turn into a significant asset by literally moving him around the diamond every day so that he could neither that, that his his ability to take walks and get on base stays in the lineup. He's more than a, you know, a bench player. Um, he doesn't have to be fantastic anywhere, but he's capable of taking a day or two from everybody everywhere else. If the Jays can do that, I don't know, but I feel like if he got traded to the Rays, he would instantly be that player. Yeah, I don't know but why we... the Rays can do that, and J- nobody else can.
0: <laughs> well, I think the Jays can. I think they. they, they well, I mean, they already have done that with Bgio in the past. Like he played a bunch of third and right field last year, so uh...
2: yeah, we'll see. Kevin at Kevin Chase 4. Uh, lots of speculation about trading Guriel. Am I wrong for thinking they should hold on to him? It's like the opposite of the Kevin Bijou argument. He was one of their better <laughs> overall outfielders last year. I get trading value for value, but there's plenty they need in free agency, and apparently they're in on everybody. Um, they have, like, it, it's, I would say it's easier to replace outfielders. I, I like Lourdes Guriel Jr., I think he's a lot of fun to watch. But oh, yeah, I, I love him. But um, if you can get something. For him, that isn't just one year of Lindor. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you let him go because you can, you can find outfielders to, you can drag them out of your infield even and, and get similar results. And, and the only reason he is good in left field um, is because they don't put him in right or center. Does that make sense?
0: I think he'd do fine in right. He's got a really good arm. Um, I actually think that that's probably the better alignment, but whatever. But, yeah, I mean, look, Gurriel does have a great contract. He's got three years at $15 million total. And then he's arbitration eligible after that for one year. So I wouldn't trade Guriel unless you're getting someone elite, like Lindor with a contract extension coming. Or, you know, you sign Springer and you can get you Darvish. Or, you know, like these are like top of the top guys. And I don't think that the team would do that without that. So... I think it's kind of moot. I mean, I, yeah, I'd like to keep them, but as you said, there's lots of ways to upgrade the outfield.
2: Uh, Brian A at BJ Arsenal 84. I would like to say that this is like the Hall of Fame for the Turf Pod question asker panel. Um, as I wrote down all these names, uh, you guys are <laughs> hardcore. What acquisition by the Blue Jays would impress you more? A couple of elite players like Shapiro mentioned earlier, or and you got to think about this, Josh. A PlayStation 5 that's not bought from a scalper. <laughs>
0: Um I have not tried to buy a PlayStation 5 so I'm assuming from the question it's impossible.
2: I'm going to tell you a funny story about that then if you have not would you like me to tell you the story? I like funny
0: stories. Go for so, it. So
2: uh, a friend of mine and I uh, on our lunch break at work um decided to take an early lunch because they were releasing the PlayStation 5 in Canada at 11 a.m. uh on the first day. So we all opened up multiple browser windows and hopped on uh, several sites and tried to get in line for a PlayStation 5. Uh we both got on at the same time, but but he gave me a link, and I got on The Source, uh, and it kindly informed me that I was 5,771st in line to purchase a PlayStation 5 from The Source.
0: Holy crap.
2: <laughs> um, from I The regret- Source,
0: too. That's not like Best Buy or something.
2: I regret to inform you that The Source did not have 5,571 <laughs> PlayStation 5s available for purchase on day one. No no Um, we were watching on a stock site and there were actually people over 10,000 in that same line and I was laughing because I'm like hey man I'm way ahead of you I can barely see you back there but but it was a moot point (laughs)
0: it was, it made no difference the numbers came down by like
2: a couple hundred every couple minutes after a bird but it meant nothing, it was just people getting rejected hardcore there
0: there can only be 29 teams ahead of the Jays in line at max, (laughs) the answer is the PlayStation 5
2: yeah that would impress me way more absolutely i agree uh okay next question andrew arnold at arnie underscore 12 um what is the over under on the three transactions within 48 hours of this podcast airing Ooh, uh do we do multiple transactions josh
0: how can you do an over under on three transactions it's either yes or no is <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> there saying more than three or so like the over under is two,
2: two and a half then two and a half um yeah the yeah, over, under, on three, trend that, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, I don't think we do multiple transactions, so it's under.
0: Yeah, I think under.
2: I think we do single transactions just to ruin the podcast's vintage, and then they stop.
0: Um, Could be two. We've had two once, I think, but more than two, I don't think so. And why just Ro- another home run?
2: You and Ross, at Mentalk, yes, the mind taker himself, who uh, goes back to the days of Blue Jays... Plus, asks, Mm -hmm. is there a rational reason, and by that I mean writing for the site, uh, and perhaps hosting the podcast, uh, is there a rational reason for the complete lack of moves? Uh, Constipation. Uh, COVID, uncertainty seems like an explanation, but I think someone would gain a huge advantage by being a first mover. How can I not look at this as collusion?
0: Oh, I don't think it's that at all. I'm, well, I should say at all because you can never <laughs> count that out when it comes to MLB. But the, I think the rational reason, the biggest one, is the Mets, and you know they like they just got a new owner who's going to spend. So people are waiting for them to make the big offers and decide what they're doing. And it, and as we alluded to earlier in the show. It's once the big guys go, the rest of the market follows. And in this case, it's especially that because it's not like the big guys are Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg or Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, who are so rare levels of talent and price that only a couple of teams can really care about them to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like these players are taking their time to make decisions. Like we've heard of offers being put out. The Jays have said they put out offers. So. You know, it's like they're waiting for someone to make a move and they, the, you can get an advantage by being a first mover, but you're probably paying more than anybody else w- would pay. So there's also a disadvantage to that. You'll get the guy, but you might get the guy for more than you should have to.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, <clears throat> a lot of things, even in years, you know, the pre-COVID time ha- have sort of underneath our noses been shifted to January. Without us even realizing it, like I don't think we're even that far behind the 2018-2019 off seasons. Um, it seems like it because I think we're expecting the Jays to do something. But I, I I don't think the the number of times guys were signed coming into spring training in in, in sort of that mid tier means that the 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 other all but the super elite free agents were having to wait, and that's just how. How things have gone. It's like the polar opposite of hockey where everybody knows how much money they have to spend.
0: Yeah. And also like specifically the much, much money they've got to spend. There's that. Like a lot of teams are tightening their purses this year, right? Like they've even specifically said that they're, they're pairing back payroll because of losses. I mean, it's not even a surprise that they're doing that. Whether it's logical, that's another discussion entirely, but that's happening. And then with the non-real winter meetings, which, again, I can say like the pressures that are at the winter meetings don't exist when they're virtual, that's another thing that slowed things down. So it's just those two things combined, is my opinion, or three things, rather, like the you know, the types of players on the market, as we were just talking about.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I'm normally the one crying collusion. So if nobody's signed by the middle of this time in January, uh, I'll be back on the collusion train, but but not just yet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that concludes our questions unless something trickled in at the end there. Nope, that's it. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we do have uh, the infamous uh, doings over, uh, which I would say, uh, let's get loud.
0: What did you say? <laughs> oh, my God. Did he really just say that? But well, we can try again, right? you talking about a do-over though? Are you talking about a do-over do- Let's do
1: this!
2: Or do it twice, you know. It's possible. All right. Uh let us head on over to the Phillies front office and uh tell me how interesting uh they are making things with their perhaps overzealous state.
0: Okay. So when we already talked about the nonsense uh that went on with the Phillies. John Middleton is their owner or their managing partner, who said that they lost two billion dollars last year and was not And like the article just printed that. And then there was rumors that came out that John that Sack Wheeler was on the trading block, the guy who they just signed last year to a five-year $118 million contract or something along those lines.
2: And who, Six for the years, record, right? is, is still good, correct? Yeah, he was
0: great this year. <laughs> like, he had a really good season. <laughs> hey, I got it right on. 5 one eighteen, Perfect. Um, so John Milton angrily denied the report and said, quote, if they offered me Babe Ruth, I wouldn't trade him. And then he said he further would not trade Wheeler for Ted Williams or Mike Schmidt.
2: So, I mean, not to drill too deep into his uh, furious, furious um, condemnation of the mere suggestion that he might trade Zach Wheeler, uh, but I think you pointed out on Twitter why it would be an easy decision to not trade for those guys. Yeah, two of them are
0: dead, and one of them 71 years old. <laughs> I mean, brought up uh, Mr. Burns. The softball yeah. team full of dead players or <laughs> from major league. This guy's dead.
2: Take him off. Cross the list. him
0: off then. <laughs> Cross him off the list then.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, I, I get he, what he was trying to say, but it came out, you know, if you thought about it too hard, um, there were probably other people he could have picked. I wouldn't trade him for. Um, but here's the he, thing.
0: If you take it as he wouldn't trade him for the modern equivalent of Babe Ruth, it's still crazy
2: because yeah.
0: Zach Wheeler's good, but he ain't that
2: good. Yeah, so you can't have it either way and have it make a whole lot of sense. So, uh, yeah, why don't you pick pick uh, some other names out of a hat of baseball uh, folks and stay away from the Hall of Famers until Zach Wheeler is slightly better established uh, and has proven himself. Worth more than that five one eighteen that you signed him for, ah, uh, and then I think we we extend the do over also to the New York Yankees who are are also of course realigning their minor league affiliations, um, and the way they did that was in the extremely classy effort to uh, post on Twitter their new list which omitted the Staten Island Yankees, which I believe they have had a relationship with for over forty years no phone call no email just yeah you're not on our list uh, here on twitter that means you're no longer affiliated with us like come on really
0: yeah it's really bad i mean it sort of speaks to the callousness that mlb has shown towards the miners in this whole process but like that's not good like it like this is the yankees it's on them to like let their affiliate know they're like hey this is not the way we're going. We're sorry. We've appreciated the relationship, but we're going, not just like, "Oh yeah, Twitter. Well, I guess we're out of a you know, we have to find new ways to make money."
2: It's like, "Here's here's a list of names. If you're not on it, you're going to have to leave." <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh so yeah, two do-overs there. Um I'm sure we'll have a bottomless pit of do-overs as the off-season goes on. But I don't have any more this week, which means That we are rounding in to the end of said podcast, at which point you've usually developed a thought uh, which we put in the final slot. And what have ye for us?
0: Yeah, um, so when we were talking about all those free agent things earlier, it was kind of interesting that the Jays are not really focusing on any pitching. But I don't know, like it kind of makes a lot of sense when you think about it. And I'm very curious to see how they inevitably fill that because. Like, technically, they have Tanner Rourke in their rotation, and they have, you know, they've got five guys. They've got Ryu, Pearson, Ray, Stripling, and Rourke, not to mention Julian Meriwether, who Ross Atkins called Justin Meriwether on the radio yesterday, which was really funny because he doesn't exist again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I like. I'm very curious to see how they end up actually addressing that because it's not a priority at the moment, but it still could be quite different when we look at it next year.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, pitchers break and there doesn't seem to be a huge, um, you know, backstop there if a couple of them break at once, but I'm well, sure. Actually is
0: depth. Like there's, there's like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 guys that you could comfortably start a game or two. If you had to some mm. of them better than that, like K Merriweather hatch. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's just uh, we're, we're still at that other phase of free agency, but I'm very curious when we get to this next one, too, to see if it's bullpen heavy or starting heavy.
2: Um, my final thought, the, the, the weirdest timed report ever came out that the Blue Jays were contemplating asking for permission to tear down the Rogers Center, uh, a.k.a. the Sky Dome, um, and replace it with a smaller, more um, retro modern ballpark with, um, you know, additional amenities around it. Um, you know, for the purpose of taking more p- people's money in a nicer environment. Um, and then that's kind of been kibosh since then in that, uh, and I think even specifically, was it Shapiro was asked to address that today in his statements? Um, well, he just said that it's or, like
0: it's above him now.
2: Uh, yeah, that Rogers was not focusing on the upgrade. Now, whatever you term upgrade, maybe upgrade's internal, maybe it's external. But I, I tend to see if you're going to spend... I think some of the estimates I saw were like $225 million to upgrade the existing stadium, which I remind everyone they bought for 20 million bucks. Um, If you're going to spend that much, if you can get permission to spend twice as much and create a facility that is modern and world class, why wouldn't you? but on the flip side what the heck is this report coming out now like clearly now is not the time where any corporation is going to undergo a massive construction project that they don't absolutely have to start at this moment because of all yeah the uncertainty.
0: Like, like roger said they haven't spoken about it since COVID happened because it's not a priority
2: and yet it comes out in like november it's like what yeah <laughs> Where are we it's going weird. with this? It's just so so mind-blowingly weird. But I thought we should mention it because it is a Blue Jays-related thing and it did pop into the news cycle for some inexplicable reason. So, I mean, I would, I would have no problem with it. As much as there is a nostalgia associated with that building, I think you could do way, way better in that same location because there is no other ballpark location in downtown Toronto. I don't care how much people want to pretend that one is going to materialize. There is not. Um... Yeah, and that land is already there. But we shall see what the future holds, just probably not in the next year or so. Uh, that is to say, this uh, you there, over there, have been Joshua Hausam at Joshua Hausam, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at uh, Coolhead2010, and our guest was Jesse goldberg Strasser at Jay Goldstrasse. Uh, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 189, and we totally swear we will be back every time the Jays do something in the next two weeks. Back to you there.